0: All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to um, be able to share with you in worship uh, and to be in God's Word, even though we might not all be physically um, together. It's yeah, wonderful that we can still do this and we can be in God's Word um, yeah, as, as one church, even though we're not um, in the same building. Um, before we begin, uh, I'd like to invite us all to um, just spend a bit of time with the Lord. So why don't you join me um, as we pray? Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you um, for the gift of technology. We thank you for who you are and just the way that you know all things. Um, We thank you that you have um, given us the opportunity to still be able to worship together um, even when we are not um, together physically. Um, But we know that we are uh, together in spirit and we are united um, as one church. And so Father, we pray that as we look through your word today uh, that you would... um, Give me words to speak that are only from you. I pray that you give me the courage and the boldness to be able to uh, to teach your word and to do it in a way that is uh, relevant and that is also um, impactful uh, into our lives so that we don't just walk away having more head knowledge um, but to have our hearts transformed. And so, Father, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So the word evangelism, what does it mean? How often do you hear this word? I know for me, um, growing up in a church and sort of being here as a kid, I kind of hear this word um, here and there often enough. I hear about things like Evangelical Sunday, uh, where we have a time where we spend time talking about God's word. Sometimes I hear about the phrase, people are evangelists, or you have the gift of evangelism. It's kind of a strange word, and so I don't really know why, or what does the word evangelism mean, or what does the word evangelize mean? And so, of course, as always, um, I love trusty old Google, so I went there to find out what the word evangelism means, and quite quickly, you type it in, and it gives you a definition. It says, to evangelize is to preach the gospel. And so many of you maybe are sitting there now and thinking to yourself, oh, that's cool. Evangelism, that's what people do when they're on this stage, right? Like People like Pastor Ken, people like myself. Those who are preaching, they're the ones that are evangelizing, preaching the gospel. It's not for me I'm sitting at home and sitting on the couch. It's not for me who's just a lay person, just a normal person out there. It's only those who preach sermons. They're the ones who are preaching the gospel, right? Well, actually, not so fast, because if you take the word preach and type it into Google, you learn a little bit more. And it turns out that the word preach simply means to proclaim or to speak in public. And then, of course, when you look up the word gospel, what does that mean? Well, the gospel means good news. And so when you put it all together, the word evangelize is to publicly speak the good news. Suddenly, it's not so much that it's only the person who stands on stage that should be doing this, Actually, maybe all of us should be doing this. To evangelize is to be publicly speaking the good news. Now, what is this good news? When I think about publicly speaking good news, I often think about my dear mother. um, Because my mom, for my whole life, and probably her whole life, has been quite a healthy person. And for those of you who know her, she absolutely loves her fruit and veg. If you ever get her going, she will not hesitate to tell you the good news about fruit and vegetables. If you ever ask her, then she'll tell you that oranges are full of vitamin C, in fact, just this morning, she just gave me a full bag um, of oranges to make sure that I'm going to be staying healthy, even though I don't live at home anymore. She'll tell you how all fruits are fantastic for you. She'll tell you how each kind of vegetable has something good for you, some sort of vitamins. And I remember growing up at the dinner table, there was always a dish of vegetables. No matter what we were cooking, no matter what we were eating, there was always a plate of vegetables. And if I tried to not eat my vegetables, I would get an earful about the good news of fruit and veg. In fact, it's not just me and my brother and our family. Mum would never hesitate to tell anyone how good vegetables were. When my friends came over for dinner, she would tell them that they would need to eat their vegetables too. And not even just them, as a kid, If I had my friends over and their family was over, my mom wouldn't hesitate to tell my friend's parents also that they need to eat their vegetables. Can't be getting that high cholesterol. You better eat more vegetables to lower that cholesterol so you don't get heart disease. Used to hear that around the dinner table a lot. Mom knew the good news about eating fruit and veg and she would always publicly declare it. She'd speak it to anyone who was willing to hear. That to me, when I think about speaking the good news, that's what it sounds like. But of course, when we talk about evangelism as a Christian, it's not about fruit and vegetables. We have a different kind of good news. And in fact, the good news for a Christian is found in the book that we read all the time, the Bible. And the good news centers around a person called Jesus Christ. And in fact, the passage that Christina read for us today, as you look through these verses, looking at when it talks about Jesus, we can actually find the pieces of what this good news is. What is the good news for a Christian? Well, for there to be good news, there's good, but there also needs to be bad. And so the bad news that isn't mentioned in our passage today, but is mentioned in other places in the Bible, is that, well, for each one of us, before we meet Jesus and before we know who he is, we're all separated from God. Because of our sin, because we have disobeyed God's commands, we are separated. We are not together with God. And so the story of the Bible is about how God brings us back together, reconciles us. You might recognize that word in some of the verses that we read today. The story of the Bible is about how God brings reconciliation between us and Him. And so how does this story unfold? Well, if you have a look at verse 19 in our chapter today, it says that that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, in Jesus. And further to that, not only that, is that he didn't count people's sins against them, and that's how he did it. And he then committed to us this message of reconciliation, Further down in verse 21, it says that God made him, who is Jesus, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we go back a few verses, in verse 15, it talks about Jesus again, and it says, Jesus and he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him, for Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. You know, the good news of the Bible is that even though we were separated from God at one stage, because of Jesus Christ, because of what He did, we can be reconciled with God. We can become a new creation. As each one of us, I'm sure that, you know, no matter how old you are, there are things that have gone wrong in our lives. Whether it's because you've injured yourself and your body is just not the same as it used to be, like me when you hit 30, Or it could just be that you've made wrong choices in your life, that you've made mistakes. But here it says that when God reconciles us to himself, we become a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. This is the good news for a Christian. And for many of us, we will probably feel that, yeah, this is good news, And all of those things that are mentioned in this passage, that's happened to me, I feel that. That is the good news for me. And so then the question becomes, why do we need this thing called evangelism? Why do we need to share this news with anyone else? Why do we have to publicly speak about it? Why do we have to preach this gospel? And I want to suggest that in this passage alone, what we see is that there's a couple of reasons why we should be evangelizing, why we should be sharing this good news. And the first one comes from that first verse that we read, from verse 14. And it's only the first few words, but it says, For Christ's love compels us. Because for each one of us who is a believer, each one of us who is a Christian, we have each personally felt Christ's love. When we decided to commit our lives to God, we became a Christian and something changed. We received the Holy Spirit in us. God turned our hearts from stone into a heart of flesh. And what happened is that when we start to look at other people, we start to see people slightly differently. We start to see people with a heart of compassion. We start to see the world as God sees the world. And as we read through the Scriptures and study how God viewed others, we see a beautiful heart of compassion. When we look through the Bible and we look at Jesus and see how He interacted with people, we see a heart of compassion. We see that when Jesus was with people who laughed at Him, He didn't retort with a comeback. When people mocked Him, He didn't mock them back. When people tried to trick Him, tried to trap Him, tried to blindside him, he didn't retaliate. And instead, Jesus loved them back. When Jesus came across those who were considered the scum of society, the prostitutes, the wrongdoers, the cripples of the day, Jesus would spend time with them. He would talk with them. He would eat with them. And even as Jesus hung on the cross, the only words that he had for those who put him there was, Father, please forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. This is a heart of compassion. This is a heart of love that Jesus had. And for each one of us as believers, we all will have felt this heart reach out to us. We would have felt this love firsthand. We would have felt that when the world doesn't love us, that Jesus does. Rachel shared with us that the song that we sung, those words that describe Jesus, that describe what our hearts should look like, it gives us a warm feeling to understand that Jesus loves us no matter who we are. That even when society looks at all the mistakes that we've made, when society looks at us and when it says, well, you've done all these wrong things and they condemn us, Jesus still comes and He loves us. When society says that we don't measure up to the world's standards, that we're not rich enough, that we don't buy the right clothes, that we don't follow the latest trends, that you haven't bought a house at 30 yet, that you don't have a stable job, or you're not on a way to a university degree, when the world looks at us and says, man, your life is a mess, Jesus still comes and he loves us. And so when we feel this heart, when we feel Jesus' heart love us, Jesus' heart comes into us as well, and then we have this heart of compassion. And when we feel this love, this is the love that compels us to go and love others too. This is the love that compels us to go and share with others what we have experienced. This is the love that makes us feel like, wow, I've been loved so much, I can't help but to love those around me too. It's not fair that I would just keep all of this to myself, I want other people to feel what I feel as well. And so this is what some people might call spontaneous evangelism. Because it's not as if I'm being told that I need to go preach the gospel. It's just the fact that I have good news. It's so good that I have to share it with someone else. Just like mom's not, mom doesn't have anyone telling her that she needs to say to people that veggies are good. It's just that she knows, she feels it, and she wants to share it. You know, when we are sharing the good news with other people, we're not reading off a script. We're not just saying words because you're trying to recruit all these people into a club. When we evangelize spontaneously, we're not treating people like a project. We're loving them because the last thing that people want is to be treated like a project. You know, a long time ago, a wise friend gave to me a gem of wisdom about relationships. They asked me, do you know why girls like bad guys? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, why is that? And they said, it's because girls love a project. Girls love a bad boy because they love to work on them and then turn them around so that they can become a good guy. You know, I don't really know whether this is true or not, but definitely when I heard that being said, I was a little bit scared. I was like, I was a little bit offended too. And I was like, oh, am I a project? <laughs> like, Rach, am I just a project? I mean, like, I don't really believe this. I really do love you. And I know that you love me back too. But how horrible would it be if you realized that in a relationship, you're just a project, you're just being worked on, and it wasn't love? Evangelism isn't meant to be like that. People don't want a sales pitch. You know, that's why salesmen are generally the least trustworthy and probably the most hated people. People don't want to be a project. People just want to be loved. And when we look at how Jesus interacted with others, that's what he did. Jesus didn't run a script to get people to believe that He was the Son of God. He didn't use sneaky tricks or guilt trips to get people to believe. Jesus just came to this earth as a human, and he just loved people. He cared for them, and he loved them so much that he put his life down for everyone. That he died for you and me. And so this is what Paul means when he says in verse 14 that we are compelled by Christ's love. Christ's love for us is so great that we should be compelled to tell others about this love. And so let me ask you, when was the last time that you were so that you felt Christ's love so much that you were compelled to tell someone about it? And to be honest, even as I asked myself this question in preparing this sermon, I thought to myself, I'm not actually sure. And so for all of us who are sort of in that mindset, ah, I don't know let me ask you a more challenging question. Why aren't you compelled by Christ's love for you so much that you want to share it with other people? Well, with evangelism, there's one side of the coin, which is that we should be compelled to evangelize. But there's also another side. We're actually also commissioned. The truth is, not only are we just compelled by Christ's love, but we're also commissioned, we're told by God that we are to go and evangelize. Have a look at verses 18 to 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, is talking about us believers, and God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us this message of Reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The story of the Bible is that Jesus came and through what he did, that when he died on the cross for our sins, we were reconciled with God again. What was once separated has been joined together again. And then God says, That's not it. Once you have been reconciled to me, I now give you a task. We are commissioned to go and share this message, to share the fact that we have been reconciled with God and we need to share it with other people. We are Jesus' ambassadors. There are quite a few verses in the Bible that talk about this commission. One of the most famous ones comes from the book of Matthew, and it's the last couple of verses in the book of Matthew. And Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For those of you who have been worshiping with us in our church, you might know that this is called the Great Commission, or often referred to as the Great Commission. Jesus says, Now that you are one of my disciples, now that you know what my love is, go and tell other people. Show them what my love is so that they too can experience it. Not only that, Jesus also told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You have seen what my love to you looks like, and now you need a witness to other people and tell them what it is. And so if we are compelled to evangelize, if we are commissioned to evangelize, then why don't we evangelize more often? Why don't we go and share this good news with everyone every day. And to be honest, there are lots of reasons. Sometimes we might think to ourselves, well, we're actually pretty busy. I've got pretty busy schedules. It's not that I don't want to tell others about Jesus' love. It's not that I don't want to love other people, but I just don't have the time to sit down and chat with them. I certainly sometimes feel that way between full-time work, between preparing for sermons, between playing basketball, hanging out with my wife, Rach. I just don't have the time to catch up with other people that I want to tell them about Jesus. Or other times you might think, well, actually, I just don't know how to get started. I don't know how to start this conversation. I don't know enough about the Bible to evangelize. What if they ask me a question that's too hard to answer? What if I say the wrong thing and I give them the wrong message? What if people think I'm stupid? What if they don't believe what I'm saying and it ruins our relationship? What if I offend them? What if it sounds like I'm just Bible bashing? You know, all of these thoughts that come into our heads, they're real thoughts. These are the kinds of thoughts that I get too when I think about just the, just the idea of evangelizing or to share Jesus' love. But what do we do about it? If we're compelled if we are compelled by Christ's love, if we have that feeling that I want other people to know about it, and if we realize and if we know that we are commissioned, that God has told us that we need to do it, how do we battle against all these thoughts that come into our head? Well, these last few weeks and this series that we've been going through is talking about spiritual disciplines, And in the last few weeks, we talked about the importance of being disciplined in certain different parts of our lives, that we should be disciplined in reading the Bible, that we should be disciplined in praying regularly, that we should be disciplined in keeping the Sabbath to have a day of rest, that we should be disciplined in worshiping. And today, I want to suggest that even evangelism can be a discipline, and it should be that evangelism should be a practice that we do regularly and it should be something that we need to build into our daily life and into our routine. And I want to suggest that this is the way that we can be compelled and commissioned to evangelize and that as we are disciplined in doing it, then we can get past all of those thoughts that come into our head and that stop us from sharing this good news. You know, just like all other habits and disciplines in our life, evangelism is a skill that we need to practice. It's a skill that we need to train, it's a skill that we need to develop, it's a skill that we need to grow stronger in. And the more that we do it, the more that we grow as a believer in Christ. And when we are disciplined in this, when we plan it, when we structure it, sometimes people call this structured evangelism we have spontaneous evangelism, we have structured evangelism. You know, earlier we said that when we feel Jesus' love and compassion, we're compelled, and we just spontaneously want to tell other people about it. But there are also other times when we can structure it, when we can prepare, when we can get ready to actually tell people about it, that we can be more methodical. But I can nearly hear people thinking or asking, wait, If you're methodical about evangelizing, if you're trying to prepare in advance, doesn't that sound like we're just going to learn a script? Doesn't it sound like we're about to learn the sales pitch? Aren't we just about to do what we said that we shouldn't be doing? Aren't we just about to turn people into projects? Don't we turn into those salespeople then? Well, actually, no. Just because we rehearse doesn't mean that we are fake doesn't mean that it's a sales pitch as soon as we prepare. You know, over these last couple of weeks, I've had the privilege of attending a couple of weddings. And for those of you who have been to weddings, weddings always have speeches. And speeches are generally made by the closest loved ones of the couple that are getting married. And these speeches often will have some of the most heartfelt words And some of the most heartfelt thoughts that the person who's talking wants to say to the married couple. And last night we were just at a wedding and the sister of the bride made a beautiful speech. It was one of the most touching speeches that I had heard at a wedding for a while. And it was just filled with so much emotion and so much genuineness. It was so authentic. And now I know that this speech wasn't spontaneous. She didn't just get up and start talking. I'm pretty sure it was well written out and it was quite well rehearsed as well. I know this because in the 10 minutes leading up to this speech, I looked over and everyone was having fun except this person. She was just buried on her phone, brow furrowed and muttering to herself frantically. You know, her speech had been written out. It had been structured. It had been prepared. It had been rehearsed. But for anyone who was at the wedding, they all know it didn't make the content any less genuine. In fact, the time, the effort, The sweaty palms made all the more genuine for that speech. All the preparation that she put into writing and practicing the speech didn't make it fake. Instead, it made the message clearer. And this is what structured evangelism looks like. Structured evangelism isn't just learning a bunch of Bible verses so that you can just shove it down someone's throat. Structured evangelism is to practice, to rehearse, to go over and over this good news, not so that you can recite it at 500 words per minute, but so that you can make the message clear. And when we are disciplined in doing this, then the message, when we share it, it becomes clear. The spiritual discipline of evangelism is to put time, it's to put effort, it's to make sure that we can clearly portray and communicate the compelling love of Jesus that lives within us. And so what happens when we are disciplined in this? What happens when we put in the hard yards? Well, the more that we practice and we rehearse the gospel, the more we know it ourselves. Every time that we sit down and every time that we ponder and think about the gospel, we're reminded that this message of reconciliation, this message that we want to share with people, that is what has happened to us. The more that we practice sharing it, the more that we tell others about it, the more deeply we understand it ourselves. Quite often teachers will say to you that you only truly understand something once you are able to teach it to someone else. So if you are able to explain what this good news is, if you are able to explain clearly this story, this message of reconciliation to someone, that goes such a long way to you understanding it yourself. And of course the more that we share it with others, the more opportunities we are in actually fulfilling what Jesus has commissioned us to do. That God has committed to us this message of reconciliation, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and that's what we do when we are evangelizing. And so how do we get started then? What does structured evangelism look like? Do we actually write it out and then just rehearse it in our heads? Just have these, you know, the cue cards so that we pull it out and then when we tell someone, we just, you know, read off our cue cards? Well, not necessarily. Maybe one of the best places to start is just to grab a friend and tell them about your journey with Jesus. Because if you want others to know what Jesus' love looks like, the best way that you can describe it is to tell them how you've experienced Jesus' love yourself. Get into the habit of sharing how Jesus is working in your life. Get into the habit of asking others what God is doing in their lives. Because the more comfortable we are in talking about what Jesus has done for us, the more comfortable that we are in talking about Jesus' love to those who are other believers as well, then the easier it will be to communicate. It becomes in our natural language. And then it becomes easier to share it with someone who maybe hasn't heard about this before. Another thing to do is to look at different ways to present the gospel. Many Bible scholars and teachers have taken this story of reconciliation, this message, and they've taken it and they've brought it down to the bare essentials, to the core of what this message is. Go and look for one of them and see if you can learn it yourself. You know, recently during our youth leadership training, we went through the gospel in four steps. We said and we learned that the gospel, the good news, is something that we need to learn about God, there's something that we need to learn about sin, something that we need to learn about Jesus, and then there's something that we need to learn about how we respond. And when we have these four things, that is what the good news of the gospel is. There are other ones out there, such as the Roman road, which is a collection of Bible verses from the book of Romans that walks through the essentials of the gospel. Maybe a good way to start is to take one And just to learn for yourself what those things are. And finally, just like all other disciplines, try and set a routine. Maybe commit once a fortnight that you'll catch up with one of your friends and commit to yourself and say that I'm going to catch up with whoever it is. Maybe it's my best friend, but I'm going to commit that at some stage during my catch up, I will share with them what God has done in my life in the last two weeks. Well, maybe you might say, well, I want to take this a step further. I want to learn how to, how to say what the gospel is. So I'm going to catch up with my friend once a month to actually practice sharing the gospel message. But in the end, I want us all to remember the, that being disciplined doesn't make evangelism any less authentic. Being disciplined simply means that you realize that this is important enough and you're committing to God to say that I want to do what you've commissioned me to do. And so as I wrap up for today's message, I want you guys to join me in prayer, and I want us to all pray to God and to ask Him to say that, well, we know that you've commissioned me. I know that you've loved me so much, and so I want to commit my time. I want to rehearse, and I want to be prepared so that I can share it with other people. Why don't you join me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reconciliation that you have brought through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. We have the opportunity to know what it means to feel your love because of how Jesus loves us. We thank you that even if the world shuns us and even though that we have disobeyed you and we don't have any right to be together with you, and yet through your son, Jesus, he has brought us back close to you. We thank you that as we feel this love, that we then have a heart that wants to love others. And we thank you that we have this charge that you've given to us, that we are to bring this to others as well. But we know that it's difficult, Lord, and yet we want to commit to doing this. And so we ask that you would help us to form a discipline, to realize that evangelism isn't just something that we do when we feel like it, but it's something that we need to practice, something that we can grow as a skill not only so that we can give this message to others, but that also it will help us to grow in you as well. So Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you that we can learn all these things. And we just ask that no matter where we are, as we walk out, that you would put in our hearts this commitment that we want to evangelize, that we want to fulfill your word. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.